right, my microphone's on. Can you hear me? <laughs> yes? Okay. <laughs> it's good to see you all here. I greet you with the spirit of Christ this Sunday. I feel like I'm surrounded by a crowd of witnesses of those who have gone before us, who I see Hollis Steele's spirit in the back. I know he's still alive, obviously, but he's not able to be with us in person, or Claudia Philippi, or uh, Ruth Brigeau, or uh, Mattel, or so many people who we have had to say goodbye to in the past 13 years, and so many people who we have said hello to in the past 13 years. It's a little um, daunting for me to be up here uh, after 42 years in ministry. It's just hard to believe that I'm ready for the next step, or I don't know if I am ready, but I'm taking it. (laughs) (laughs) But I do greet you with the spirit of Christ. I thank my lifelong friends ever since I came to Memphis, Wanda and John Raines, Nancy Lubiani, Myra Bennett, who I met my first week here in Memphis in 1985. Thank you for being here, and of course, my wonderful family. I can't believe that today, it's the last day I'll be with you as your pastor. And it's my last time to preach here, though I'm not terribly sorry about that. (laughs) (laughs) So call me to small groups one-on-one, but this big thing, it's it's always... uh, intimidated me, so I share that with you. Thirteen years ago, in my first sermon to you, I invited you to join with me in a dance, that God invites us to dance with him throughout the changes in our lives. I asked you, what will our dance be like, and will you dance with me? Anna asked the king of Siam on a bright cloud of music, shall we fly? And Fred Astaire asked Ginger Rogers, shall we dance or shall we mope? (laughs) Dancing is an action, and dancing will result in comments. Wonderful comments that are uplifting, and also some negative comments. (laughs) And in the past 13 years, we've experienced so very much together. And I am truly thankful to God for your presence in my life. I am thankful to you for your love and prayers for me and my family. For the past 13 years, my family has experienced the death of six close family uh, members and our eight aunts and uncles who we cared for. You've put up with me as I've lived the empty nest experience, which I still don't like, Matthew and Daniel. (laughs) when our sons left home for school and for work and for to live in other states. We've lived through auto accidents and hospitalizations, illnesses, three presidential elections, changes in our country, and what seems to be an unraveling of our post-World War II international order. But we have remained faithful, and we're called to remain faithful. And so I thank you. As I reflected on what I'm to preach about today, I was tempted, I've always told Wade that my favorite sermon, and I'm always gonna do this at my last sermon, is you know the stories. God loves you, love God, love one another, amen, let's go. So, (laughs) but then Ecclesiastes spoke to me. So here now the word of our Lord is found in Ecclesiastes chapter three, verses one through 13. 
For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to throw away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. What gain have the workers from their toil? I have seen the business that God has given to everyone to be busy with. He has made everything suitable for its time. Moreover, he has put a sense of past and future into their minds, yet they cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I know that there is nothing better for them than to be happy and enjoy themselves as long as they live. Moreover, it is God's gift that all should eat and drink and take pleasure in all, all their toil. The words of God for the people of God. God. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable to you, O God, our earth maker, pain bearer, and life giver. Amen. If you've ever read or listened to any form of media in the past year, you may have felt inundated with reviews or previews of what's going on in our culture. Don't we all have a tendency to spend some of our time thinking in a retrospective and also a predictive way? We look at the past and we wonder about the future, assessing what has been and looking forward to what will be. Our world and our calendar urges us on to try and to make sense of it all. In recent months, I found myself doing a mental rundown of the past 13 years, the highs and the lows. Our scripture today reminds us that for everything there is a season and a time, a time to pour out and a time to replenish, a time to reflect and a time to imagine. The writer of Ecclesiastes, Qualeth, I can never say his name, as my professor in Divinity School said, that's when you just go, <coughs> uh, he's a, or better known as the preacher, understood this pattern of looking at the seasons of life and trying to make sense of them. There's a time for every matter under heaven. It's poetic and sweeping yet grounded and honest. The beloved language that unfolds in the words to come speaks to the times of human life and our experiences. The author names 14 opposites, parallels that stand in tension with one another. They begin with a time to be born and a time to die. Fred Craddock is a pretty famous writer, a prolific writer and a, a homiletics professor in a seminary. He's now deceased, unfortunately, but he was a wonderful storyteller. 
and he writes, what follows then are observations on a range of human behavior, personal choice, affection, speech, patterns. He doesn't try, the preacher of Ecclesiastes, doesn't try and resolve the tension between the seasons, but rather simply names them and observes them, noting that the order that emerges to life and setting up the reader for hope and not despair. For God has made everything suitable for its time. God has put a sense of past and future into our minds. Or in some translations, which I absolutely love, God has set eternity in our hearts. And yet in Ecclesiastes, we also are reminded of the gospel's good news. There's good news in every season. For in Jesus, God has come to be with us always. In Jesus, God came to dwell with humanity yesterday, today, and tomorrow. In life and death, planting and pruning, mourning and dancing, keeping and throwing away, all will be held within God-made flesh because they are all seasons of this life that he came to live with us. No matter if we're exhausted or anxious, worn down or depressed, reflective or resolved. For the one who came in the fullness of time came for all our times. Some people find the time, to sec find the time section of Ecclesiastes to be repetitive. And so I don't. I find it to be beautiful. I find it to be majestically continuing like the crashing of the oceans on the shore, the waves on the shore the flow to them and they come and they go again and again, or perhaps the phases of the moon and the changing of the seasons, all signs of beautiful returning of God's creation. Returning and turning, coming back to us when we think something is lost, God returns and gives it to us again, another spring, another winter, another wave upon the beach, Another reminder that there is a time for every step in this beautiful dance that we have with one another and with the Holy Spirit. For those in a season of birthing, we look with hope to God's best gift. To those in a season of dying, Jesus' resurrection reminds us that death never has the final word. For those in a season of planting, Jesus says, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in the garden. It grew and became a tree, and the birds of the air made nests in its branches. For those in a season of pruning, we remember the rich soil, uncrowded by thorns, such that seeds can grow freely and fruitfully. For those in a season of ending, we look to the one who says, See, I am making all things new. For those in a season of healing, Jesus says, Come unto me, you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. For those in a season of breaking down or in a season of building up, we remember Jesus' focus on the importance of building good foundations. For those in a season of weeping, Jesus says, Blessed are you who weep now, for soon you shall laugh. For those in a season of laughing, we give thanks because God rejoices when one who is lost is found. 
And for those in a season of grief, Jesus says, Blessed are you who mourn, for you shall be comforted. And for those in a season of dancing, Jesus says, Rejoice and leap for joy, for surely your reward is great in heaven. For those in a season of embracing, we remember the God who loved us so much that he sent Jesus. And for those in a season of refraining, Jesus says, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will wear. And for those who are in a season of seeking, Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. And for those in a seeing, season of seeing, we clothe ourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. And for those in a season of quiet, Jesus says, pay attention to how you listen. And for those in a season of speaking, we orient ourselves with the good news of Jesus Christ. And for those in a season of loving, Jesus says, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them, but love your enemies, do good, lend, expecting nothing in return. And for those in a season of hating, we are nudged to release our anger by the God who calls us ever closer to Christ by drawing ever closer to one another. And for those in a season of waging war, Jesus comes with a plowshare and a pruning hook to reorient us to his way of peace. And for those in a season of waging peace, Jesus says, do not fear, for it is my peace I will leave with you. Beloved, for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. So as we look behind us at the beginning of our dance together 13 years ago, and all we've experienced together, worship, births, death of friends and family, mission projects, illnesses, healing, Bible studies, women's ministry retreats and events, special care ministry, which I do want to let you know we've renamed Emmanuel Cares, <laughs> many meals and celebrations, and just day-to-day -day living. And before us, as I retire, and you begin your dance with the new pastor, might we remember that Christ is with us always, and we will continue to be the body of Christ, Emmanuel. How fitting it is that this church is named Emmanuel, God with us. In closing, and in saying goodbye to you, wonderful people of God, I share words by Mark Miller, which captures my dream for you and all of us as United Methodists. I dream of a church where everyone is welcome. I dream of a place we can call home. I dream of a world where justice is flowing with hope and peace growing and God's will is done. Amen and amen. Let us pray. Loving God, I thank you for your call upon our lives. I thank you that you never give up on us and that you continue to mold us into who you created us to be. I thank you for this wonderful body of Christ and for the people of Emmanuel United Methodist Church. 
I pray your blessing upon them, Lord. I thank you that we will always be connected through the Holy Spirit. And I thank you for the gift of eternal life, that if our paths do not cross in this world, we will cross in the next to come with you. And so I thank you, Lord, from the bottom of my heart. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.